It's Wes, Hank, and Andy, and oh my God, we are back! Finally here. The road, the road to here. Over. <laughs> the road to here was long. Destination achieved. And here we are. Episode one of the uh, Fandom Power presents the Ahsoka Fano Show. You know what this is all about. It's, it's uh, we're back. We're back in uh, regular form tonight. <laughs> deep diving on uh, all the stuff that you uh, you probably saw maybe you didn't see it all maybe you're catching this for the first time and you are uh, living vicariously through us in which case watch it backwards thank you thank you so much <laughs> watch it backwards that's yeah, awesome once you're done then go watch it again it man worth repeat viewings uh, it absolutely is worth repeat viewings oh, in yeah. fact i uh, i watched the first episode again uh, just before we went I mean, to air tonight you caught things that i didn't catch that at least one thing well, uh, well yeah <laughs> when we get there organically you can throw it in man yeah sure um, sure sure i was getting not not like oh i didn't see that before like oh there's a tall or that, yeah i yeah. has got a beard i was getting realizations about bigger stories that more consecutive watches i was like holy this means that and whoa that means this and I guess for me, and I know we'll talk about it more as certain things happen, but like it's the mythology connection that's really gotten me on this one. And maybe I didn't notice it as much before in Rebels, but I am certainly really aware of it now over these first couple of episodes, um, how much real world mythology has crept in. And I mean, of course, it is that typical, you know, hero's journey a format that star wars typically has been so no surprise that uh, we are drawing from all kinds of of our own uh cultural stuff hey we got our first uh comment coming in tonight from uh dis inferno over on youtube what if this new galaxy has its own jedi order that is a fantastic question what new galaxy did anybody put any thought into that <laughs> spoilers well I, I put a bit of thought into it like maybe we exist within the same universe earth because has been like, referenced a few like, times in star wars so there that's exactly yeah, we're in this galaxy is. they're in that galaxy yeah and uh to 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 say like to do the Battlestar galactica thing and go earth sure would water it right. down for me but to yep. imply it heavily i have zero problem with i've <laughs> never had an issue with the with that idea not i mean all the way back from uh, 1977 the uh, opening crawl a long time ago in a galaxy far far away doesn't say the galaxy it says a galaxy yeah but i gotta tell um, you my early theory without you know too much absolutely. on top of it is is that it's the ricotta empire oh i'm i'm very interested to, to to hear you suss that out because i was still i should say i am still undecided and i don't want to speculate too heavily because i really like the idea that a new galaxy means new star wars stories uh that ostensibly don't have to connect to anything and we can just we can take off and do all these crazy new things without having to negatively or adversely affect anything mm -hmm. that's come before well it's true it's true that excites me and it's going to bring new extended meaning to star wars right oh absolutely like it's going to come it could boil down to the galaxy wars. versus galaxy the wars bro it's the wars yeah galaxy wars 
Sarah says, hi from the UK. I've watched both episodes of Ahsoka three times. Nice. Ah, Sarah, you are so on top of things. You'll be able to do the show with us here in no time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Shall we? Let's get this thing rolling. You got got a guy in the box tonight or do you need? I think so. Hang on a second. Let me see if I got that key here. Oh, wait, here it is. Let's try this. Bad Star Wars jokes. What, uh, What time is it? When an adat steps on your comm link. What time is it when an adat steps on your comm link? Far past time to get out of the way. <laughs> time for a new arm. <laughs> time to get a new comm link. You're time right. to get a new comm link. <laughs> I certainly appreciate that. <laughs> I definitely appreciate that one. <laughs> All right. That's been another uh, edition of Bad star wars jokes now we talked about this uh collectively the three of us about how we were going to handle this week's writing duties and hank you were the first one to basically say me please because Mm -hmm. i so wanted to do this i'm uh so yeah i'm over the moon um i wanted to do this what we do with rebels for so long that i'm like i'm doing that now (laughs) i mean let's face it (laughs) Absolutely. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's do it. I hope that uh oh we're it's we're fighting it's we're fighting buttons here. Dueling buttons. I was gonna say, I hope that um, you know, I've said this before, and because wow, I'm just gonna stop touching things because I think we're competing here. No, I haven't touched a thing yet. Sorry, it's me. It's me. Okay. (laughs) Um I hope that our Sunday night, like I've said this before on every review series, and I feel like it's worth repeating. Uh, guys, uh, guys who uh, are fans of the show, folks who are fans of our show, you guys know this. Um, but for any of the people who are just coming to us for the first time, we will never, ever be first. We'll never be first to air with our breakdowns because that's just not our speed. Because I, I'd like to think that we go about it just such a different way that it warrants the the amount of preparation that we put into it. So mm-hmm. like in, in the case of like, I'll be doing episode uh, part two tomorrow night. I was still uh, writing my show notes up until last night. So like I am using the time to fill, to make sure that we are hitting those lore connections. And I hope that that comes across in what we do. We might not be first to air. No, but you still might see something for the first time here. Absolutely. So um, I I just want to put a sincere thank you to everybody who is, uh, who is here, who has been with us for the last uh, little while. And if you're new to the show, welcome to the family. And Hank, that's it, man. Over to you. Wicked. So I just thought we'd start with, uh, we often just cover the quickly, just cover the the new character. Uh, it's totally, totally worth doing. Yeah. That. So that first one looks an awful lot like a clone trooper. And and if you think about it, if you squint sure. your eyes a little. Huh. I, can see, like I can see him. <laughs> I can see him. I know. We got our Inquisitor. We got an HK-87. We got Hugh Yang. We got Sabine's new helmet. Oh, probably old helmet with a new paint job. It looks like we got chopped there. I believe that is Chopper. Yeah. Let's not waste any more time. The Galactic, the evil Galactic Republic has fallen, and a new Republic has risen to take its place. However, sinister agents are already at work to undermine the fragile peace. A plot is underway to find the last Imperial Grand Admiral Thrawn and bring him out of exile. Once presumed dead, rumors are spreading of Thrawn's return, which would galvanize the Imperial Redmonds and start another war. Former Jedi Knight Ahsoka Tano captured one of Thrawn's allies and learned of a secret map, which is vital to the enemy's plan. 
Ahsoka now searches for the map as her prisoner, Morgan Elsbeth, is transported by the New Republic Defense Force. How do we feel about the return of the crawl? I loved it. Loved it. And I love that it's a new crawl. It's yeah, it's, it's not the same old. We're okay with not the uh, you know descending like off into infinity with 100%. the fanfare playing. It's the it's the same style. I wouldn't even call it a crawl, but it's the same style sort of narrative uh, bar as the Clone Wars finale. That yeah, it gives you enough it info to get is. caught up right to now uh, and where you need to be. And red. I mean that that is the same. Going back to that uh, that that uh, season seven uh, narrative, same thing. It was also in red. So, yeah. is that even, is that a Dave thing, or is that just, or is it something else, a tonal thing, indicative of some bad stuffs about to happen? I don't know. I don't probably, know. Probably a little bit of column A and B. Yeah, yeah. A vast star field appears, and we pan to a ship, an MC thirty C torpedo frigate. For all you real nerds out there, <laughs> that's <laughs> <a> me. <laughs> <laughs> Passing beneath and away the camera, invoking an inverted version of the opening of A New Hope. It's 11 engines glowing with blue energy. On board the stark white bridge, typical of Mon Cal design, several New Republic officers go about their duty. A human captain with white hair and a goatee sits astride the command chair. A shiny turquoise per protocol droid reports that the ship has entered the sector. And we get a C-3PO, you know, in front of the screen from Empire there. In the, yeah, in the yeah, very much. Just the little nods. Uh, but to the crew's surprise, it's not home one who they were expecting. More than in a few minutes. <laughs> the captain asked the comms officer to hail them, and I get Star Trek vibes. Like, <laughs> just, you know, it's just, dip, just a We've got a Star Trek. command crew on the bridge doing bridge stuff. Right. Hailing, you know, yeah. I mean, sure, it's it's just as much uh, maybe Farscape a, or Battlestar Galactica as well, but it's uh, just the, sure. the, the terseness in the military, you know, it's tonally, it's very, it's very Star Trek. I kind of dig it. It could be any Navy of anywhere. Yeah. And it's not <laughs> really like previously they would have dialed in on this. Like the most we saw was in Jedi when they're like, you know, check their clearance codes. <laughs> That's right. right. Funny. That we, should, we that never comes get up to again see too. <laughs> <laughs> like rhyming stanzas. Yeah. The, uh, the comms officer reports uh, quite surprisingly that the incoming transmission says that the visitors are Jedi. The captain is naturally suspicious, and he says he's going to call their bluff. Whomever it is, uh, whoever it is, is bluff. And he instructs the first officer, officer to have a uh, security detail join him in the hangar bay. He then gives the bridge to the first officer. And there we have I just, a... Oh. I, I just want to say that that line takes some of the... It takes some of the, the stuff away from you know, the average citizen, how much the empire put into the propaganda machine right. so that the, the average citizen in just such a short period of time became completely ignorant that the Jedi even existed. Like they were just this ancient legend. Suddenly yeah. that doesn't seem the case anymore. Even ostensibly you're in the same military and you would know about Luke Skywalker. It's still like, you would think, right? So how much of that history was taught in that, 20 year period before the collapse of the know. empire yeah we don't know uh, how long luke stayed with the with the uh with the alliance well that's right uh an ada class republic shuttle approaches and uh there i, I uh, it's got modified engines like we talked about in our review of the, for sure uh, it does yeah of the uh, the trailer but i just threw in a little uh, clone wars version of the ada class there to look as a comparison also the uh emperor had a uh his personal shuttle was a version yeah. of this modified version of this too 
I'm de- I'm decided now, and maybe it, it doesn't need to be talked about too much. But I am decided. When we did the trailer breakdown, I thought that the this shuttle was more akin to the Emperor's personal shuttle. But uh, for sure, the the yeah. wings are red. They're yeah. worn and battered, as all things in Star Wars yeah. are. But it's Maybe. definitely uh, red, and I think this is supposed to be basically the stock version. Yeah, and you can see it on the Emperor's shadow, like it's much more bulky around the frame, and this thing is much leaner. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and that round round nose for sure do 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 uh uh the ship lands and the captain and the security detail await the occupants in formation the ramp lowers and the classic off-gassing of white vapor appears as two dark hooded and cloaked figures descend the ramp a large male and a, def- a min- diminutive female the male speaks thank you for welcoming us on board captain hail the captain qualifies Trained by actor Mark Rolston, you might have seen him in films like Shawshank Redemption, Aliens. He was Private Drake way back in Aliens. Yeah, Drake. He's done tons of voice acting credits, including Norman Osborn in the new Spider-Man video games. Nice. Uh, maybe Hale is a nod to another skipper, Alan Hale from the SS Minnow, Gilligan's Island fame. I'm probably reaching on that one. <laughs> He I finds know. it strange that little buddy. <laughs> if the if the Mon Cal guy's name was Gilligan, I would have went for it. <laughs> he finds it strange that a, uh, that a Jedi would be around after all this time. To which the larger cloak man replies, "Our existence remains a mystery to most, Captain Hale." And it, I, he's I start, not lying. Yeah, so I start to he's think lying. A, a little bit sort of meta, and I'm like, "How old is Balin?" So he's got he's got gray hair, and if we've always kind of had the people humans at least track with us yeah yeah so i'd put him like the the real ray uh god rest his soul it was 58 when he died so he's 56 57 while they're filming this so i put him there between 55 and 60 so 9 aby maybe even 10 aby and i'll tell you why in a little bit why i think it's 10 aby um he's it's roughly 30 years after the clone wars so if he's yeah. if he's 55 to 60, he was 25 to 30 at the end of the Clone Wars. Sure. Right there with Anakin, like a peer of Anakin Skywalker, which yep. may explain some stuff that we're going to get to see probably third episode. The false Jedi goes to step around and is stopped by Hale's outstretched hand. The captain tells him he doesn't buy it. They put on a good show, but they're no Jedi. Instead, calling him Imperial Trash, who's overconfident and pushed his luck too far. A quick... A quick uh, sorry, a quick moment to talk about Ray Stevenson, who's who's amazing in Rome, uh, amazing in the Punisher War Journal, and dear to our hearts, uh, Star Wars, because this isn't his first Star Wars role. Uh, he was the voice of Gar Saxon for. Uh, That's right. Yeah. For, uh, in in Clone Wars. I, I don't want to gush about Ray. I do actually want to gush about Ray. Yeah. Um, some of the uh, the online chatter, and I I wholeheartedly agree with this. Um, if I had to pick out an MVP for this episode in terms of uh, acting ability, it's Ray. Uh, and for the second episode as well, it's just, he doesn't get a lot of dialogue in this episode, but come episode two, oh my God. And he's doing a different thing. So good. He's, he's kind of doing a different thing in Rome and it's especially a different thing in the Punisher and yeah. voice acting that it comes across as a, as a, a good actor, like your, your voice work, actually, you can tell the difference. Right. But yeah. Um, I, I never really knew him to have this presence. Like he, yeah. he just oozes charisma. Yeah. And um, I, I, you know, based on that David Filoni uh, sort of interview where he had said uh, the orange sabers mean something yeah. and things are not necessarily what they seem. Uh, I'm, I, I'm not sure. I, I think that, that she might be more evil than he is. 
Oh, I think you might be right on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think and that, you might be that right she on that. is a, a Vanna Sakno? Ivana Sakno, yeah, yeah. Who I don't know a lot about. She has seven or eight acting credits. She's been in a few things. I think she was in uh, High Fidelity. Um, but I'm just, I, they don't name her. I know it's, we all know from Met, the Marketing Metaverse. That's, that's right, yeah. It's Shin Hattie. Uh, yeah. But I, I try hard not to name them until they actually show up well, narratively. They they don't get, uh, well, only, I don't even think her name is uttered once in the entire episode. No, not at Her name, not at all. Yeah. Failing twice, so I once once they picked that up, I had to go back and change my notes because I would just call them by name <laughs> for sure, like, for sure. And so somebody that it's it's almost a shame if you could go back and go. I don't want to watch the trailers to these, but I'm drooling for any information I can get. You know, any of kind course, of hints yeah. I can get. But if right. you could do it clean, you 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 actually wouldn't have a clue at this point. So that's kind no, of no, no. Absolutely, I tried not. to do it narratively. Yeah. Um, is it just me, or is like this security detail seem far lacking for two Jedi? Well, the the fact that he doesn't buy it, for one thing, uh, the, that could be, um, and it's I probably mean, pretty standard for a group of two. Six, just, just compared to like the security detail that the Empire would have laid out for you. Oh, <laughs> sure, yeah. The sure, yeah, yeah. A garrison's worth of stormtroopers, like and it's an impressive sight. Whereas this is just like six guys kind of standing there. But again, yeah, remember this, they're this dismantling is a, their fleet, right? Yes. So, and that's exactly what I was going to go to. We've got a, a new Republic military. Which, by the way, these two episodes kind of conflict with some of the stuff that was set up for us uh, uh, in right. in the last season of The Mandalorian with the demilitarization. But apparently that's not 100% true. They are mm. downsizing. They're not there yet. No. no. But yes, no, no. I agree. Uh, six, six armed security officers were probably enough for most people. Yeah, right. If you just think that they're just a couple of fake dudes with some like plumbing parts strapped to their belts. Yeah. You know, that's more than yeah. enough for that. Right. Yeah. A couple I'd of be a little worried that they actually had a, a, a an ETA class shuttle, but other well, than that, <laughs> you're flying a 30 year old shuttle that tracks with, uh, you know, with this code that came through, but right, no, right. no, that's, it's neither here nor there. Um, the captain orders a Mon Cal officer, uh, his name is Jokris, to uh, have the yellow and white astromech droid that's standing there, RD3, to run a scan and identify the two false Jedi. To which Balin, oh, I did it there, to which the, the large man responds, we will show you our identification. And it, you almost want to see, uh, you don't need to see how's that. It's the opposite it's of the that. It's the inverse of that. It, it's isn't absolutely that like, the inverse. Yeah. 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 It's so good. Uh, and with a nod from her master, the younger female ignites a blood orange lightsaber and strikes the Moncala officer down. Using the force to push two more guards, she easily deflects their blaster fire and cuts several more down. The captain draws his blaster, but the large Jedi uh, in black grips it, using the force and twists it out of his hand as it falls to the deck. You were right about one thing, Captain, he offers. We are no Jedi. We and he runs no the captain Jedi. through with his own similarly colored blade. And I'm sure that the captain is fine, just like everybody else that gets. <laughs> oh no! If you the biological breakdown. He hit some major organs yeah. here. So the biological breakdown. We need to post that in the chat because is there a point? I don't know if did you set something just, up to so talk fun. about this? No, no, not no, not really. Neither no, did because I, I just think it's tongue in cheek. Like, do you want to? Do you want to just get it out for the purposes? I mean, everybody I else is talking about it. So actually, we, so, yeah, I mean. I guess there's a lot of memes running around how pissed off Qui-Gon Jinn would be <laughs> that all these people. Now, so you know, this guy looks like he's taking it right through the heart. 
Well, I got no I, problem I'm not with that. Argue with that. Also, if we want to get into like role playing terms, this guy is an NPC with for sure no hit points. That's right. right. He's not meant so to survive. Can you anyway. stab a tenth level character like Sabine Wren? Oops. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Well, you know, <laughs> she's got plenty of hit points to deal with that. I you think know? if we are going to be outraged, and I mean, even some of the some of the bigger the bigger voices in the Star Wars community, I don't want to name names, but like who would say? Well, Darth Maul, uh, he just clung to the dark side and he had the dark side. And I don't care if you transect a body in half, mm -hmm. it stops working force mm -hmm. or not. <laughs> so if we're going to be outraged that people are surviving, right. and let's be clear, stabs, not slashes, stabs, yeah, stabs with a cauterizing item, then we need to be way more outraged at the fact that Maul, who is a fan favorite character, has survived yeah. as long as he has. I mean, guys are kissing their sisters. What what really is our fandom here? Really? <laughs> well, come on. When they sliced him in half, they cauterized him. He wasn't bleeding out. Well, funny, he could survive that, but then he meets Obi-Wan in the middle of the desert, and, and, it's all over and there's nothing. There's not even You'd not even know he was touched. It certainly wouldn't work the other way. Somewhere around the galaxy, Darth Maul's legs are running around. <laughs> Full of hate. Full of hate. <laughs> They're still at the bottom of uh, the, the, the palace at Theed. I'm not even sure what slide we're on anymore. <laughs> this is awesome. Back on the bridge, bathed in the crimson red of battle stations, an officer informs the first the first officer that two assailants have killed the captain and have split up on board the ship. The security officer hands her a blaster. The bridge door opens with a whoosh, and the younger false Jedi enters, blocking the first officer's attempts to hit her with the blaster. The force wielder makes quick work of the bridge crew. Uh, I, I want to point that out. That actually is pretty cool that the bridge, uh, the, the command crew... Nobody's armed. The weapons are locked up. Yeah. That is such a, just a, it's He's a very done. small nod, but it is such a realistic depiction of you wouldn't walk around yeah. with your sidearm on the ship. It's trained to do it. She, she actually doesn't even look at the officer. She actually doesn't yep. break sort of eye contact with the door as she no. takes the weapon. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yep. Uh, using, uh, where are we? Uh, just killed the bridge. There it is. That's right. In yeah. another section of the ship, the imposing black cloaked figure deflects the blaster fire of the defenders back at them, wielding a saber two-handed, tossing people around with the force and even snapping the neck of a security officer as he hoists into the air with, with his abilities. It invokes the scene with Vader from the end of Rogue One. Uh, and he he's so wide. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know he's a big dude. He's big, all right. He's so wide. He cuts such an imposing uh, swath, if you will. I could totally see him being a recurrent villain. Unfortunately, that that will not happen. But like mm -hmm. he just is presence. I just don't know how else to yeah. say it. Yeah, I know it's it's tragic. Yeah, absolutely. Clearing the hall of opponents, he pauses in front of a round cell door. Using the force, he manipulates a scomp link, and the door slides open, revealing a prisoner inside. It's not the first time we've ever actually because even Jedi are always like R two. Hack yeah, that terminal. I don't or, think I've ever seen or a Jedi. just like opening the door. We right. never see any controls get activated. The door no. just opens. Yeah. So he like you know, his mind is inside making those connections. It's really cool. We yeah, see a few cool, new yeah. uses of the Force throughout these this uh, these episodes. Actually, uh, it's Morgan Elsbeth. She's wearing a yellow prisoner's jumpsuit with numerical designations on the chest. She remarks that Balin, <laughs> finally, you are true to your word. And he replies flatly that he's well paid for it, Lady Morgan, and offers her hand to escort her from the cell. Chivalry is not dead, even if everyone else on the ship is. <laughs> and um, that line, uh, I'm paid well for it, Yeah, lets me really know that there's like 
zero loyalty here beyond money. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably got his own agenda, like any sort of dark force user would do. I feel um, like the, there's a there's a recurrent theme here, and I mean, let's let's not forget that um, it, for all the video game nerds, Jedi Survivor still isn't that far in the rearview mirror. And right. Morgan Morgan makes a, a point to say uh, later on that she also is a survivor, and so Balin uh, surviving as a mercenary mm -hmm. since the Clone War makes yeah. perfect sense to me. It does make perfect sense. Sure. She tells him that the Jedi who captured her seeks the map. Balin asks who this Jedi mm -hmm. is, and and uh, almost like the, uh, the the money shot, walking down the hall, both sort of staring off into the distance. Uh, uh, Elsbeth replies, "Ahsoka Tano." Dun, dun, dun. And uh, right in the middle, you know, near the beginning, we get our title card: Star Wars Ahsoka Part One, Master and Apprentice. And while it's obvious who the title is referring to at first glance, a deeper meaning is always contained in Dave Filoni's titles. For sure. We'll definitely get there. Cut to a long shot of a white stone structure in various states of ruin. Tall broken columns are adorned with geometric carvings. In the distance, a familiar silhouette approach, approaches, and it is indeed Ahsoka Tano who surveils her surroundings. A gigantic statue of a robed female with most of its head missing catches her gaze. She enters a circular clearing with an ornate round carving in the center of the floor, obscured by black soil or po possibly ash. Ahsoka kneels down and brushes the dirt away from the ancient-looking runic characters carved in a concentric circle around the perimeter. Standing, she contemplates for a second. Then, using the force, she remotely controls her lightsabers to cut a round hole from beneath her, drawing both sabers back to her hands as she rides the section of stone down to the floor of the dark chamber below. Just cool. <laughs> just that's, that's straight just, up, yeah. uh, you know, on point for her. That is, uh, or on Bad brand stuff. for her. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I started to spend time on the runes, and we'll get into that more at the very end of the episode. But uh, someone, someone trumped me. <laughs> yeah, I sent a, I sent a link licked. over. Yeah, I'll admit when I'm licked, and that uh, guy's too. sharp me as too. f, man. Yeah, yeah. I was close. I was very close. You'll see. Anyway. <laughs> um, A round room with high ceilings lit from the circular opening above with a shaft of light reminding me of raiders from the Well of the Souls. She examines the walls. Three female figures in robes carved into the walls uh, of Welsh. <laughs> what? Uh, of which... Uh, um, I don't know what that word is supposed to be. They stand before stone <laughs> dioceses with brass caps. She bends a knee. Eyes closed, hands on the dais, she reaches out with the force. She begins to turn the top section of stone uh, as black dirt falls from the grooves. Then she aligns the brass cap to match, and we see that this is a viewing disc. Hey, what's up, Valve? Valve. Valve's EBTW. Nice. Uh, and we see that it's a, it's a viewing disc, and as it aligns to point to one of the carved figures, a golden orb very near the figure begins to glow along lines of its carved surface. She repeats this process twice more. And once all globes are, once all orbs are aglow, a, uh, a triangular-shaped dais emerges from the center of the room. The fifth a black one. Three, yeah, a black three-sided object on top. That or the Bad Batch episode where oh my god, running around with V. Oh yeah, the temple yeah, yeah, yeah. where she breaks into yeah. all the Zephotech. Yeah, yeah. That's a that was a meaty slide. <laughs> There's so much happening, uh, sort of description-wise there. Ahsoka touches the object and part of it crumbles beneath her hand. It appears to be of the same substance as the dirt or ash that is pervasive about. 
Crumbling away more of it, she finds a palm-sized golden-colored orb with several in, in, intersecting lines across its surface. She raises her communicator and speaks into it. Huang, I found it. And even though we've seen the trailer, you still go, <laughs> you do though you do you, you really do uh that's actually one aspect of this episode that i liked you know we we talk about uh things like superhero fatigue and like the reboot of the reboot of the reboot and like mm-hmm. and I, i'll use spider-man as the example because that's the one that everybody kind of talks about right. do we need the origins of peter parker again i love the fact that it's hu yang they don't tell us anything about the history nope. the origins it's either you know or you don't know that's right and we did the story just moves forward. He's just there, like as part of the crew. He's yep. certainly charming well, enough that it, it it wouldn't really matter. You you, you I know, agree. I you agree. get that. You get that stuff. Absolutely. Uh, Huang, I found it. The response is garbled. So Ahsoka Force jumps out of the hole she's created below the clearing, landing in that superhero stance. <laughs> My numbers are screwed up, but we're okay. We're all right. A lone red colored HK eighty seven assassin droid stands several meters away, wearing a black cape. The droid takes a step towards Ahsoka, who, who uh, draws her long saber and points it toward him. Come no closer. The droid stops and speaks in a low, deep, digital tone. The map. Give it to us. Us? Ahsoka questions the plurality. A second droid appears atop a ruined wall, this one with a gray torso and head. Us. And a third droid opposite the second. Us. A fourth droid drops in behind Ahsoka, and when we pan back, we see a fifth assassin droid has joined the imminent fray. The lead droid strikes its staff on the ground and it crackles to life with red electric-like energy coursing around it. Ahsoka draws the second blade and the droid atop the wall leaps down as she begins to move slowly backward towards the hole she had cut in the floor. The four droids close in on all sides. The former Padawan uh, close around the four, the, uh, the, all four sides of the four Padawan as the red droid remains still. Closer still, all the HKs wield the force pikes. As one finally makes its move, breaking the tent standoff, Ahsoka steps backward away from the deadly pike swing and through the hole. Not a second passes as two white lightsabers spin quick with circles around one of the droid, dropping it to the chamber below. Quickly, she repeats this twice more, removing more combatants from the imminent fight. A lone subordinate droid fires his blaster rifle, an A350 if I'm not mistaken, wildly into the hole. A single move, in a single move, Ahsoka leaps high into the air from the chamber below, cleaving the firing droid blaster in two blocks the lead aggressive droid attack. Trading blows back and forth, Ahsoka easily parallels the oncoming attacks, cleaving the rifle droid in half and beheading the red leader. And as the three droids uh, from below begin to climb their way out of the darkness back into the fight, the dismembered head of the leader intones, initiate self-destruct protocol. I want to talk about these droids for a second because uh, uh, clearly these are the same HK assassin droids that we saw in the episode of The Mandalorian. Absolutely. where where Morgan was introduced. However, boy, they sure don't move like those ones did. No. I have never smoother. Like I was thinking about this uh uh today actually. I mean we've seen some pretty fluid motion from droids. Um the the um the BX series uh uh commando droid comes to mind, but that's animation. Mm -hmm. Um live action, I mean not even uh the Magna Guard droids moved this fluidly and it looks so so good good. Um, Um, there's a lot about this episode in particular and and i haven't watched the second one this style if you know what i mean but yeah yeah so much that i go 
wow, is there ever an animator at the helm? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. The quick scene cuts that are indicative of sort of like a cartoon style thing where you sure. can cut to one line and cut back and not screw the pacing up. There's a lot yeah, of that yeah. style stuff here. Um, amazing. And it's, you know, we get wrapped up in the storytelling, which is what we love, and we get wrapped up in this sort of maybe the minutia of the Easter eggs and of the lore yeah. and stuff, but we, we, we always need to remind ourselves that at its heart, Star Wars was pushing filmmaking boundaries the whole time. Oh, and absolutely. It was, every yeah. iteration of it has just leapt things forward, and so it, yeah. it makes sense to me that they're going to just push that with every to, to push and, yeah. and episode yeah. and season. Yeah, absolutely. Let's check in on the comments here for a second. Sarah says that uh, Ahsoka fighting the HK-87 droids was epic, but why would a droid wear a cloak? <laughs> not the first time. It's an interesting, uh, interesting no, question. Definitely I don't know. Is it, can we say that it's maybe a uniform piece? I mean, uh, I mean, going back, what was it? Uh, Grievous's guards, they wore the cloaks. The Magna well. guards, yeah, they did. And that, they did as they, well. Uh, they continue that in the Disney Infinity game, too. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, they sort of like two, two of the five are wearing cloaks, I believe, in this fight. One is a black cloak, one is a gray cloak. So it could be indicative of rank, just like a stormtrooper. Quite and possibly. It's just a little piece of flair. It looks hella cool, let's face it. I um, kind of thought that the, uh, the, even a stormtrooper with a cape on Mimban, the, uh, the head, the head color maybe was a, an indicator of, of position. Yeah, that's probably true too. Facebook user says ah, incognito. incognito to Maybe. stay incognito. Yeah, I, guess, you know, I, I think that also works fits for the, the Jedi, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I actually thought the same thing about Ahsoka. Why wear a cloak when you're about to get into it? <laughs> Drop the cloak. I, and the fight is so not concerns her that she doesn't. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's, no, it's, and she's gonna do it again later. This is practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, as the remaining three droids take a knee, red-lit thermal detonators slide into the open position in their respective chest cavities. And with the is BB, that what we're deciding? We've decided uh, that that's something. what they are? I mean, I, I mean they, they look a lot like it. Uh, they look a little bigger. I was trying to think, have we seen... I mean, that's the big thing. Because he's got a thermal detonator! And mm. they always shut them off. Yeah. Have we seen thermal detonators go off before? I think we have in, in Not Clone to Wars. this extent. I don't yeah. know what's going on here. These are thermonuclear detonators. So, <laughs> yeah, this is like more. I'm not the only or... one who kind of thought, I'm, wow. Like, yeah. That's a lot of explosive. I mean, so there's that initial explosion where you go, whoa, that's a hell of an explosion. And then the fireball that comes off the thing, and you're like, it's, it's take, this is a city level. This is an yeah. extinction level. Um, this is Independence Day yeah. all over again. Did they pack wonder, the entire what, droid? What was IG, uh, IG-11 packing? That well, that's what I mean. 11 people. <laughs> you know what? Now that you, you mentioned that, having a thermal detonator implanted in I, the IG droid chest, that does make more sense yeah, now. Because it totally that, tracks. There's also a, an assassin yeah. class droid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, then I will accept that. Thermal detonator <laughs> it is. Uh, oh, TJC it? checking in. Hello, everybody. You're in early tonight. Awesome. And as the remaining three, three droids take a knee, a red light thermal detonator slide into the open from their respective chest cavities with a beeping that steadily increases in pitch and speed. Ahsoka runs. She calls aloud to her calm link. Huang, where are you? A male voice with electronic undertone replies, I am above your position now. And a familiar red and white Jedi T6 shuttle sweeps low, lowering its landing gear. He tells her, shall I set down? To which Ahsoka responds, no, you won't. Keep going. Yep. Uh, he doesn't understand, but a large explosion rocks the center of the ancient complex, now, re now revealed to be far more vast from a wider perspective. 
He asked her what she would rather he did. She tells him, just keep flying, lower the ramp. As an, as an incredibly large fireball and shockwave rages towards them, Ahsoka force leaps to the ramp as the pilot pulls away, the fire wave consuming the ruins. In the T6 cockpit, Ahsoka is greeted by a droid, the all too familiar Clone War, all too familiar to Clone Wars fans. The lightsaber Smith Huang, designated an MK4 architect droid, the character voice is reprised by none other than David Tennant of Doctor Who fame. She chastises him for keeping too safe a distance and he tells her that he was following standard Jedi protocol. She reminds him that the Order no longer exists, and he tells her he still, however, has his programming. She reminds him in the future that he would stay closer, and he tells her that's the job of a Jedi Padawan learner, which he points out he is not. Ahsoka pulls a sphere from her poncho. Anyway, I found it. The if, map that's not a, if that's not a direct callback to the there's, episode title. Yeah, and there's tons of shots that Huang and, and Hera take at ahsoka like oh, like yeah, all yeah. throughout they're like you know and yeah he's excellent uh excellent actor david Tennant, excellent um comic relief in especially your episode oh yeah um, laugh out loud stuff and um just i gained so much respect. like i always enjoyed him i'm not a huge doctor who nut um i'll no, watch it on and uh enjoyed him especially as the character but uh grew an immense an immense amount of respect for the actor when he played the purple man, oh, which is one of yeah, the few yeah, yeah. redeeming qualities of, sure, of sure. the uh, Jessica Jones show. But wow, what a scary dude. <laughs> uh, if, if I can divert from our normal uh, uh, subject for a second, mm. you may also enjoy him in the current, uh, the second season just came out. Yes. Um, uh, the good omen on yes. that prime video. Excellent. It's Excellent. very good in that. Yes, sir. Um, she, uh, we did that already. He tells her that he's still, uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, uh, I found it. The map, he questions. It was right where Morgan said it would be. And he wonders how she got the vile woman to tell the truth. Ahsoka taps him on the chest. I didn't follow standard Jedi protocol. All right, let's, let's, put, the break, let's put the brakes on that for a second. Yes, yes. <laughs> Do you think that Ahsoka Tano used traditional interrogation techniques to get this information? So... You might have the started first nice. time, let's let's remember my essentials and the first slide from my first essentials hank's essentials was a young ahsoka tano putting a lightsaber blade to the throat of a nemoidian that that was going through a slow boring interrogation so i i don't i don't see that as being a problem to her i know i felt like it was more akin to what we saw uh, uh kylo ren do Ren yeah. rending the information forcibly like from somebody's mind. Tearing it out. I mean, that's which, possible. I mean, um, we didn't. We don't see it. We don't really know. That might be a battle when, because I'm going to point out how powerful I think Morgan Elsbeth might be later on. Yeah, like, she was bested in a duel for cert for certain, but she yep. she's wielding some pretty serious yeah. uh, abilities. And if you start to think like that, we haven't even tapped into what she can do yet in terms of. Uh, the abilities that Marin has that's in, uh, like off the charts, right? Like <laughs> stuff that she can do. Yeah. But, she but like had no choice, but to force it out of her. Right. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah. No other way. Yeah. Got one from TJC here. Uh, TJC says, it seems like she's a bit of a chip on her shoulder regarding the Jedi, as you would expect her to have after the trial, etc." cetera. Mm-hmm. You got to think too, that she went from child soldier to, young adult soldier to rebel, you know, we don't know the exact details of that spy story, master. but the rebel spy master to leader of a, of a cell to, um, 
instrumental in the in the at Yavin in the battle that that takes them down. Even though we watched the Skywalker angle of that, um, and she's been fighting since she was thirteen years old, and and probably she's still looking for a fight. Like it's peacetime, but she's looking for like she's so willing to find a threat to fight that she's willing to go outside the galaxy to find it. There's that ambiguity about I started hearing rumors. Really? When did you start hearing them? Like how long has this been going on? For? Right. And the purpose. I mean, th- yeah. did the rumors coincide with her giving up on Sabine or whatever happened there? I'm sure right. Right. Out. Yeah. That, again, I said that when we were talking about the trailer, that that seemed like the most interesting thing to me was what caused their fallout. And I'm I'm hoping we'll get more of that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A crackle cuts through the air as a voice speaks through the comms channel. Fulcrum. This is home one. Do you copy? Over. Huang responds, and I go, Fulcrum! She's still using it. Um, the, the frequency, that's fantastic. Too. Funny, I went the other way. Home one. Confirmed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, both. <laughs> Come in, home one. This is Fulcrum. Over. Fleet command returns copy. Incoming transmission priority one. There's been an incident. Uh, and we're going to switch slides. There she is. Home one cruises beside the wounded MX-30, sorry, MC-30, X-Wing fighters on patrol. Flagship of the Rebel Alliance and now fleet command of the New Republic, an MC-80A heavy star cruiser. Home one, whose last live action appearance was way back in 1983's Return of the Jedi, from which Admiral Akbar orchestrated the attack on the second Death Star. It should be noted that it's featured prominently as the Rebel base after the destruction of Echo Base on Hoth in the modern Marvel comics. There's a ton of home one in the comics. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. As Ahsoka ship bursts from hyperspace on home one's position, Ahsoka gives her ship's designation, T61974, 1974 being the birth year of Dave Filoni. What do we got going on here? We got a comment coming in here from yeah. uh, TJC. He says, you can almost see the scene now where Anakin will be in, showing her training again. Uh, sorry showing her training against all the clones to make her faster while she's training Sabine, kind of like a montage. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can see that happening. After there's, yeah, sorry. There's an interesting point here. I, I, I don't know if you want me to bring it up now. We, mm-hmm. I wished we'd got to it sooner. Cause I would have, if I had watched it a little bit earlier, I would have told you there's a, a cool little Easter egg here when right. the rolls up. Yeah, and, no, uh, no, do it. Uh, it's, you, it's perfect timing. It should, uh, where am I? Uh, Ahsoka's ship bursts at a hyperspace. After docking and disembarking, Ho- Ahsoka and Yuang are approached by a familiar green-skinned female Twi'lek wearing a brown jacket adorned with a familiar crest. And there you go. You can t- <laughs> ghost away, as, sir. As the T6 shuttle is coming around, uh, they make a pass by the MC-30. We see all the wreckage and the debris floating. But there's this cool uh, shot from inside the cockpit behind the pilot and co-pilot chairs looking out the viewport. And when the T6 like turn square on to the hangar bay you can see the ghost sitting on the deck inside the hangar that's awesome on the right in the shot that you've got here hank on the right side of hail or uh i guess that's sorry whoever the officer is there, right 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 that plating that is the top hull of the ghost yeah it and if i hadn't cropped that hera image you were saying there she's standing right under it as the when, <laughs> when she says and i don't want to steal your thunder yeah. but when she no, says no, that's okay man. briefing for you they turn around and they walk away out of the hangar. They walk right underneath it. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was it's, so it's focused cool. on the I like the that... way that they p- purposely obscured it, though. Like, we don't want to give it to you all at once. Yeah, if, there's going to be a big lie. This is why the, see it. the Phantom 2 is in the trailers and not something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Ahsoka greets her, General Sindula. It's good to see you. And there she is, our first glimpse with Mary Elizabeth Winstead's Hera Sindula. Hera wishes it were under better circumstances, but it seems they lost Ahsoka's prisoner. Prisoner outbreaks seem to be a real problem in the New Republic. You know, Apparently. like, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. there's uh, Quinn from Mandalorian, the episode The Prisoner, and Moff Gideon, most notably, and now Morgan Elsbeth. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Prime pickings. <laughs> if you want to break out of prison, now's the time to do it, kids. Um, even, uh, I guess, uh, uh, what's his name? Miggs Mayfield was sort of broken out internally. <laughs> well, he was he was uh, remanded to uh, to Marshall Dune. Marshall Dune. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, quick note about Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I did yeah. not. I did not. I could not have predicted how her performance was going to go. And although I think she may be a little bit too young, because I always think of her as being a little bit older. Yeah, yeah. Um, I cannot tell you how much I think. Uh, her performance as Hera is, is far exceeded my expectations. And I know a lot of people are complaining about that. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about her tomorrow night when we go through my episode, which is a lot more dialogue and a lot more to do. Sure. But she might be my favorite character so far. Nice. Nice. I, I feel the same way. She hasn't appeared yet, but I, I feel strongly the same way about someone else. <laughs> so if we're, if we're each championing one of them, we, we know we're on in good in good hands here. Excellent. Um, uh, Hera has prepared a briefing to get Ahsoka up to speed, to which she replies, just like old times. Uh, a legacy line, just like old times. <laughs> Inside a war room, Ahsoka, Hera, and Huang gather around a hollow table with the image of the two false Jedi. I mean, it could have been that bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hera doesn't know who the pair are, but they, they took out an entire security detail and scuttled the torpedo frigate. And they seem to have abilities like Ahsoka. The young female in the hollow ignites her blood orange laser sword before the recording is paused once more. Ahsoka notes that these days there are few that can wield the force. Hera wonders if one of them used to be a Jedi. Ahsoka ponders that thought, asking Huang to make a, um, a recording, uh, to make a copy of the recording and run a match on the lightsabers. Uh, there, you, there you go. You might not know that he has that ability like none other if, if you weren't a, a Clone Wars fan. But he yeah. has the the record of every lightsaber and every Jedi who constructed it in his memory banks going back about 10,000 years. It's really yeah, that's, cool. a, that's a lot. That's, that's a very that's prized a memory bank for sure. Uh, TJC wants to point out that as we may have mentioned, and we have, uh, the empire was built on corruption and that corruption remains after the empire has gone. Oh, yeah. Man. We, we talked about this, uh, in season three of the Mandalorian a lot, especially around the stuff with uh, Pershing yeah. and how yeah. it was just sort of like this cancerous sort of like complacency from within that yeah, allows so much, so much to happen. Absolutely. Uh, Ahsoka notes that these days are at no worry. Uh, Ahsoka ponders that though, uh, oh, Hera, sorry, guys, Hera questions that their connection, uh, what their connection to Elsbeth may be, and Ahsoka posits that she's used sure. mercenaries in the past. She presents the star map to Hera, saying that the day was not a total loss. Ahsoka tells Hera it's the map Morgan Elsbeth has been after, the map to the last missing Imperial Grand Admiral, Thrawn. But weirdly, and this is weird to me, maybe not to the plot, because I didn't. It never occurred to me that they thought everybody was dead from that incident at the end of Rebels. It, it, that actually, as a viewer, 
it never occurred to me <laughs> what, uh, that they were alive that no that they that the, everybody would think they're dead you know like, right up until and it this isn't this is kind of funny because it wasn't until we got the first season or the first uh batch of episodes for visions and the twins fighting in space mm. in w- without a vac suit of any kind did i ever even think that they could have survived without any, you know, <laughs> that was my, that's always been my joke. There's no windshield in the thing, and they jump right. in hyperspace. Or hyperspace without but without a window. I um, I don't think I ever once like, especially when he says, "I can't wait to come home," and we're going to get Ezra in the epilogue. We're going yeah. to bring our friend yeah. home. It never occurred to me that they might be dead, or that even if it occurred to me that they might be dead, it never occurred to me that the the immediate crew, the Spectres, would think that. And so I just, that kind of took me by surprise at first. Yeah. Um, Hera thinks Thrawn was killed at the Battle of Lothal. Ahsoka tells her that those reports were unconfirmed and that she's been hearing whispers of his return, which is what led her to the map in the first place. If Thrawn survived, Hera wonders, what about Ezra? Hera wants to see the map. But Yuang tells her that they cannot open it. It's locked and the key is elusive. Hera classically quips, it's never a straight line with you, Jedi, is it? A Mon Calamari officer interrupts the meeting saying the defense council is asking for an update on the situation. And I think the Mon Cala guy behind him might be Akbar. Uh, you know, so other folks have talked about the, the fellow who passes the message. And I will admit that, you know, whoever's doing the voice might be going for an Akbar esque voice. Sure. But that guy's only got one pip. That's, that's not Akbar. Standing yes. there and there's him. a guy who he never turns his back. Yeah, but it's uh, it's Akbar. It's definitely not the guy with the beard and the hanger. There's Bearded Mon Cala. I didn't, even, I didn't even point that out. But how how aerodynamic <laughs> is that in the water? In the water, <laughs> aquatic I dynamic. Know. I guess. Ask ask uh, Momoa's Aquaman. <laughs> a Mon Cal officer interrupts the meeting, saying the Defense Council is asking for an update on the situation. Hera stares at her friend a moment. You know who could help you with this? Ahsoka does, but isn't sure they'll want to help. Hera assures her that she will, for Ezra. Well, if that doesn't tell you. The MacGuffin. Ezra MacGuffin. <laughs> we retreated to a long, wide, establishing shot of Capital City on the planet Lothal. That's ah, beautiful. Yeah. Our first time here beautiful. in live action. Lothal, the birthplace of the series MacGuffin, Ezra Bridger, and focal point of the entire Rebel series. It looks like a decade since, it looks like in the decades since the fall of the Empire has been kind to the city and it's grown immensely. A small group stands on a balcony addressing large crowds below. A familiar voice speaks. On this day, several years ago, the Empire was defeated thanks to the heroic efforts of Commander Ezra Bridger, who sacrificed himself to, to liberate our world. And I go, I didn't catch it like the first 10 times because I'm watching it and I'm watching it. And then I'm actually writing the dialogue the, the yeah. last time while I'm doing my notes. And I'm writing the dialogue and I'm like, on this day, Oh wow! It's uh, yeah. it's the anniversary yeah, of the anniversary Ezra of, and Thrawn yeah. leaping with the Purgles. Funny, I didn't pick up on that until you just said it right and now. I, and I go, so this is my argument that we are ten years. This is the ten year anniversary. Oh yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. I think we've we've clicked over, and I think this is the ten year anniversary of that event. Because at wow. first I thought the speech, I was literally just taking it in face value, going, "Oh, we beat the Empire. This is the opposite of Empire Day." which is oh, Ezra's birthday. Yeah, and I thought party, that was yeah. cool enough. I thought that, yeah. you know, but now, now it's even cooler. It is cooler. On this day, several years ago, the empire was defeated. Our ears do not deceive us. Ryder Azadi stands in front of the center, of a small group of finely dressed beings. He himself in a long flowing green cap. 
They stand before the rebel's mural. Clancy Brown reprising his role, the animation model looking so much like him anyway. His second Star Wars role, guys. We have a couple multiple. Uh, actually, this is his seventh, isn't it? Seventh? seventh? <laughs> oh, wow. Across animation and video games. Oh, yeah. wow. oh and, and video uh, games. Okay, yeah. for sure, for sure. Wow, you were on the ball, Andy. I didn't realize Nicely that. done, sir. Yeah. For sure, I knew the he was Arduros. Uh, uh, got his horns uh, clipped in the Mandalorian. Right. Yep. It's, a, it's his second live action. Yeah, second live he action. Was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and once again, a small part of my heart breaks for and not taking anything away from anyone because beautiful, everything I love, it's beautiful. But uh, Ashley Eckstein, went, you know, I, I, just a small when I see a character jump from live action to and play the same character, I go, what, what could have been. Uh, yeah, that's okay, it's that's hard. Okay, it is hard not to. Yeah, I'm sure any day there'll be a a YouTube video where they've put the original voices on on, on a oh cut. Oh my gosh! Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Clancy Brown and I wrote. <laughs> Once in future governor of Lothal, he was instrumental throughout the Rebel series in aiding the heroes throughout their adventures. Most exceptionally, when he was able to fool Imperial assigned Governor Price, leading directly to a decisive victory for the rebellion. While not a specter, he could easily be on that mural. The monument we dedicate here today stands in recognition of Commander Bridger and the rebel leaders who fought so valiantly on our behalf. May their courage and commitment never be forgotten. He so, steps, a, a steps aside, reviewing the full mural. One, I love the fact that the mural is essentially on wheels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can just we, we can wheel it out to the door and show it off and then like roll it back to the back wall. I had mm -hmm. no idea that it was that. Where the heck was this mural painted in the in the first place? Um, Do we know? Do we actually know? I, I I'd have to go check it out, but I I thought it was like at ground level. Yeah, and um, like near or part of where their rebel base, like where their base was, where they hung out. Not not yeah uh, in the city necessarily. I'd have to. That's a great question. If anybody else out there knows. Uh, I've always sort of wondered about that because in the epilogue, um, I just took it as wrote that it was on the wall in whatever building that was. And here we are, and we see that that's broken, you know, Duracrete or, or concrete. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's broken in sections and it's wheeled in and out. The next thing I want to talk about, did we ever, did, did the Spectres, because it's so early on in the rebellion, like mm. the, the formal alliance to restore the Republic didn't exist uh, 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 during rebels. Not at all. Ezra was given the rank of commander. Was that an honorific? No, he's actually called commander Bridger in the last couple of episodes. So as it had to be. They, no, as soon as they link up with the Masasi temple, they're formally. They're, yeah. Because Kanan has, makes a line. I'm, I don't want to get into too much, but Kanan drops the line basically like, I want to go back to the way it was. And, oh, and that's like, real. Never, you are right. You can't you're do right. that now. We're, you're right. we're too deep into this. Yeah. They're, right. they're folded right into the Masasi group. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, had why forgot, I had forgotten about that. Behind the scenes, Loki, Harris fighting at the battle uh, of the Death Star one and two. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. Thank you for no. reminding me of that. Uh, he, uh, uh, revealing the full uh, the mural in full view. Here to say a few words is one of those rebel leaders. He gestures behind him. Sabine Wren. You can acutely hear the crickets over the top of the applause as no one <laughs> steps forward. He repeats her name. Sabine Wren. 
Still it's nothing. Almost, it's a good thing they didn't have trumpeters. <laughs> <laughs> Frustrated, Azadi approaches a man beside him and asks, where is she? The man tells him she was just here. Ryder tells the man to get out there and say something, shoving the man forward to the front of the platform. He introduces the man as Senator Jai Kel, and we get a twofer cameo. Jai Kel first appeared in the Rebels episode Breaking Ranks, where he was a member of the Junior Imperial Academy, uh, which uh, where Ezra Bridger infiltrated and then later escaped from. Uh, Kel escaped along with Bridger and was thought to be Force-sensitive by the underlings of the Grand Inquisitor. Later, he became a prominent member of the Lethal Resistance, aiding Ryder Rizzotti and the Ghost Crew on many key missions. Uh, he's played... Oh, geez. <laughs> he's not... I don't have his name here. I thought I did. Oh, that's horrible. That's we'll, okay. We can... We'll put uh, it, we'll put we it in the... Uh, it's, it's, it is not Rufio from the, uh, <laughs> the voice of Rufio. Oh, I apologize. It's not Rufio. <laughs> The, the guy that voiced, uh, like Donnie Brasco or something, his name is, sorry. <laughs> Screwing that up, too. Ryder speaks quietly into a comm device, wanting a full perimeter sweep. Find Sabine Wren. Uh, Vinny Thomas. Vinny Thomas. There you go. Thanks for the save, man. Nope, no problem. Slide 19. Oh, a little side-by-side -side of the mural from the live-action animation. I know we've uh, uh, touched on this. I just wanted to put it up and let everybody just have a look. Uh, that it is slightly different in live-action than it is. Some differences. Yeah, yeah. And so, it, like, the live-action version is is a, a cartoonized version of the cartoon version, which is a cartoonized version of the, the style that the anime, you know, it's it's actually pretty <laughs> yeah. deep, right? Like, yeah. um, there's it's some notable changes. They've, they've sort of... Uh, given Hera more humanistic sort of facial features as, as opposed to like the animated style Twilight. Oh yeah. I mean, nobody's got and, uh, the, uh, she doesn't have the giant, you know, anime yeah, eyes, anime eyes. And, and Zeb looks downright goofy. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He, I gotta admit it. Downright goofy. It's the truth though. <laughs> On the long straight highway from the Capitol, familiar to rebels fans is the first place the goat, the ghost crew encounters Ezra when he steals a crate of equipment and, and instigates a speeder bike chase. Now, Natasha Liu Bordizzo's Sabine Wren tears down the highway from the city on a custom painted speeder bike, a custom painted head uh, riding helmet on her head featuring the Orabash alphanumeric B3B. Her always colorfully dyed hair now quite long. She's perfect. Uh, a driving rock song with the lyrics that I think might be in Hadiz makes the scene kick. It reminds me of Sabotage from the Beastie Boys and the way it was used in the first J.J. Abrams. Star I Trek. immediately thought of like, <laughs> to me, it, it could have been like Japanese rock. Yeah, it has that. It's awesome. It's reminiscent of not to go back and and uh, well, of course I mean to going back to Jedi Survivor uh, in the cantina. Oh yeah. With the, oh, no, the, no. the yeah, there's so much music in there that you can feed yeah. the droid. It's great, um, actually. It's so, when's the, have we ever had, I mean, there's Jedi Rocks, but that's not really a rock song. There's a rock really song in today. Andor playing in the background on the beach. It's, yeah, it's kind of a. Yeah, it was like a Miami Vice. Like a synth thing. wave kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. But this is like straight up like, oh, wow, this is an actual <laughs> rock song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of Sabotage a lot, actually. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. The, the rock band in the shorts. Oh, that's right. The little. Uh, that's right. In Visions. Where, where Job of the Hutt's. Oh, no, not in Vision. Or... In, uh, yeah, Visions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, part two. Yeah. Part two. Yeah, there is a rock song in Rebels. 
they are listening to a rock. That the person's right. There's a rock song in Rebels when they're they're just listening to it on like a radio while they're doing some repairs. Oh, right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. I don't know who you are, their Facebook user, but awesome, nice catch. <laughs> well done. Pursued by a pair of E-wing fighters, guys. E-wings. We e-wing. covered these in the trailer, but E-wings, wicked. They look like Vipers from Battlestar Galactica a lot. I wonder if that's part of the lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple going on. Not to drag that up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lead pilot addresses her. This is Spectre Two One. He repeats his call sign. Spectre Two One, yeah. come in, Commander Ren. Do you copy? And I go. The Spectres are up to twenty one. Twenty one. He's, he's the captain, so there's at least twenty two of them. And I'm like, yeah. we're downsizing the military, but there's a ton of Spectres. I also, it's not, it's not lost on me that they're wearing blue flight suits, just like Zeb's. Zeb might. Oh yeah, the yeah. Pilot. I just kind of wondered if that, I mean, that doesn't make sense to me in this. Well, it does. We got Carson Teva, who's in, who's in orange, Trapper Wolf, who's in orange, typical, you know, callback to the the rebellion era. And I think that's just indicative of classic pilots, you know, is there, are we getting the Star Trek thing? You know, like every couple of seasons, we, we alter the uniforms to sort of show the passage of time. So in squadrons, which I played the crap out of on VR, yeah, yeah. the pilots of, of, of uh, Phoenix squadron in that all had different uniform, different colors. That does. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, right, even right. in uh, return of the Jedi, I was like, Oh, the red pilot suit, that's the B-wing pilot. And, you know, the the orange one, that's the X-wing pilot. The green suit, that's the A-wing pilot. Right, right. So, so I, mean, I, it's I quite possible. It is a nice uh, evolution, though. I do like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know one another. And Sabine asks, what do you want, Porter? Uh, Captain Porter replies that Governor Azadi is looking for her, that she's missing the ceremony. Ever flippant, the Mandalorian responds, was that today? And uh, I honestly, I think of all, and I agree with your assessment of Hera too. It's 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 pretty perfect. Um, actually, the the hologram of Ezra is pretty perfect. Yeah, um, Rosario Dawson, since the moment we saw her back in the Mandalorian, has been perfect. But I think her portrayal, the mannerisms, the facial movements, the ticks, the delivery. I think that that Natasha might be the most perfect <laughs> of all. She's the- great. Of all She's the representations, great. yeah, I, her performance knocks it, me out of the park, especially her gait and and her facial mannerisms. Yeah, she's really good. Yeah, uh, he tells her it's a big day for a hero like here, and she tells him he's wrong. She guns the engine at, and the bike lurches forward. Captain Porter orders his wingmate to land her E wing on the highway in front of the speeding Spectre Five, continually telling her to stand down, but Sabine isn't slowing. The pilot panics a bit, standing up in her cockpit, opening the canopy. It looks as if S- Sabine cuts the repulsor controls as her bike slams low to the road, sparking as it slides beneath the parked fighter. Throttling back up, she manages to maintain control as the ass of the bike swerves back and forth. And we get our look at the Kenner R2 model. Porter pulls his flighter up, fighter up and matches her, her pace, giving Sabine a nod of respect, which she returns. He veers off and she heads for the communication tower in the distance and Ezra's former home. Oh, don't forget the airbrush. Uh, all the uh, little street signs on the highway, yeah, they're all the same. They are. They're, okay. They are all the same. And there are, I was able to get clearer versions after these ones, but I'd already sure. made the slides. One side literally says caption. The other side says sector seven. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, the the, the note there was. Don't forget the Orbesh. <laughs> Homer nod. Oh, nice. Sector, sector oh, seven. Yeah. 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 
Uh, Sabine enters the room atop the tower. It's cluttered. Its walls painted a bright streak of color, several drawings of stormtrooper heads beside the door of circles and lines through them, denoting a kill count. A white and brown loth count greets her, mewing. TJC yeah, says, uh, this was a throwback to me, uh, to the Fast and Furious, when Brian drops his skyline below the uh, the truck. Cool. Not familiar, but excellent. Excellent reference. Andy, you're a Fast fan, are you not? Uh, I saw lots of cars go under trucks. <laughs> down anymore. Well, wait, they did go to definitely space, right? Definitely in the first seven, though. Yeah, they did it's go to definitely space. definitely in the first it's seven. Definitely in the, that's the best thing I've heard all day. <laughs> Uh, it's simultaneously like i'm an awesome fan and also it's sort of a jab at the yeah. same time it's that's fantastic <laughs> she kneels down sorry a white and brown brown loth cow uh cat not a loth cow it's a different thing uh gr- greets her mewing not mooing <laughs> she kneels down to pet it under the chin and it purrs receptively after filling a bowl with kibble and feeding the pet, Sabine moves a, a crate from under a crowded workbench. And as she does so, we can see her Mandalorian helmet peering out from the gunny sack. She places the crate on the bench and begins to sift through its contents, which seem to include a lightsaber wrapped in cloth and a phoenix crest patch still attached to a piece of brown leather. She settles on a hollow mirror, which she places on a small table next to her. She turns on the recording and sits in front of it. A small, full figure of Ezra Bridger, played by Amon Isfandi, springs to life hey sabine and his portrayal like his his man like the rubbing of the he's head, good too his gate excellent yeah. stuff yeah, yeah he's good stuff. hey sabine and this is also an alternate recording from what we got in rebels i just like the point that's why i'm going to read it word for word because it's like yep. a personal yep. message to her yep uh, that we didn't get hey sabine i'm sorry for you for disappearing on you i made this recording because more than the others i need you to understand as a Jedi, sometimes you have to make decisions no one else can. So that's what I did to defeat Thrawn. We've been through a lot. We grew up together in this rebellion. We're not really family, but you're like a sister to me, which is trashing all this shit. I think we all kind of go, what? <laughs> what? I thought they were going to do it. <laughs> well, it is Star Wars. It is. And it's <laughs> you're like a sister to me. <laughs> I know your fight isn't over and I won't be there to help you, but I'm counting on you to see this through. May the force be with you. Sabirin stares wistfully at the now frozen image. <laughs> it's not the first time we've got a, a Lothcat in live action, but no, definitely like not. The first time we saw one, this yeah. one is animatronic. Animatronic, and it is beautiful the way um, it moves. If you managed to get down to Fan Expo this weekend, they did have I, one on display. I saw oh, no. that. And it was, oh, exquisite. Uh, anybody who's over a certain age probably and maybe it's just me because we had a set of these but when she was giving the cat the kibble i'm like oh vintage tupperware measuring cup yeah totally totally there's a few <laughs> that orb is a a, a a like a rubik's cube ball i didn't so actually I get a slide of it but i turned yeah. to my wife and we were watching and i'm like oh rubik's ball <laughs> yeah ahsoka's cup is a rubbermaid uh oh yeah we'll get there too <laughs> wipe transition just totally like i i wasn't paying attention to that stuff and this one was like striking this wipe was was great wipe transition to it to the non the now completely destroyed stone complex that ahsoka nearly escaped from the young female false jedi moves slowly deliberately through the area intently studying her surroundings pausing and asks her companion what was this place morgan elsbeth answer her now now garbed in all her all red dress with high collar and padded shoulders never turns to face the girl an ancient temple built by my ancestors the night sisters of dathomir and 
what if you got the button there? Nailed it. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, I do. You do? Nailed it. Yeah, excellent. Or would you like this one? Nailed it. Both. That's fantastic. <laughs> the young lady stares hard at Elsbeth. You're a witch. Uh, Morgan turns to look at her finally, just over her shoulder, correcting her. A survivor. Balin and another person emerge from the deep fog and smoke. The second man clad head to toe in black armor with a long flowing black cape. This character is certainly dressed as an Imperial Inquisitor, even carrying the hilt of a double-bladed spinning lightsaber on his back. It looks like he's carrying something else, and it's really prominent in this image, and we see it again a couple more times in the next episode. But now, he could just be doing the, the, the typical villain flex We've seen characters like Norman Osborn in yeah. the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies stand like that. Yes. But that is an unnatural stance. Yes. That looks like somebody who's compensating for an injury. Oh, maybe. The way that, you know, he's got that, like, hip jutted out and kind of, like, leaning back three-quarter. <laughs> like, are you arching your back for the camera? What are you doing? That could be his hero pose. <laughs> maybe it's just that. and Maybe it's the villain pose. I don't know. Balin and another... Oh, Balin tells Elsbeth that there isn't much left thinking that either the Jedi has the map or it's vaporized. The dark, the night sister concentrates as ethereal music starts to play. The dark apprentice steps forward, uh, uh, aggressively eyes, aggressively trained on Elsbeth. Elsbeth speaks. She has it. So this is one, like she's using the force here or, or force based witchcraft here. Um, the music really like hones in on it you. It really you does. Know? Yeah. And, um, the, the, <laughs> I mean, the internet is absolutely in love with Ivana Sacco in this. Uh, if, you, if you guys have been on the social media, it's 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 kind of nuts how everybody's like just gushing over her. Um, and she, she's so intense. Um, like you could feel there's like this legit like she doesn't trust Elizabeth. She like. It's, it's almost like there's hate in her eyes. Like it's it's a really intense, hard, hard there's, stare. Maybe this is a better term. Uh, contempt. Oh, it's, it's something like a jealous, yeah. jealous yeah, 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 power yeah. or yeah, absolutely. Um, she has it. She states positively. Balin tells her she's lucky if Ahsoka does have it, but she returns that it's not luck, but fate that has decided their next move. Oh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. That's, that's, there it first, is. that's, that's on the, the nose. On the fate. nose. And there's actually a, in five seconds, there's another, the other end of that. Yeah. Uh, literally the other side of that. Um, she orders Balin to send his apprentice to Lothal, and she walks into the fog briskly. The apprentice moves to stand beside her master, eyes ever steely on Morgan Elsbeth. She questions the order, but Balin tells her to obey. But she wants to know what, what thread, there, and there's the word, what thread is she spinning? Why Lothal? And so you have the threads of fate already. And yeah. before it's even more explicitly spelled out in your episode. Yep. Uh, uh, why Lothal? The master tells her it's not witchcraft, that the former apprentice of Ahsoka Tano is there. You're seeking Sabine Wren. I find it weird a little bit, probably plot armor, that they know this fact. That they, that she goes from not being able to name the Jedi yeah. in, um, oh, and maybe her spies have done that kind of research maybe, maybe. To, to figure that out. But you would think that maybe... Uh, a Jedi who's not supposed to exist having a secret Padawan might not be like public knowledge to mysterious bad guys who don't get out much. <laughs> so maybe you wonder if like in, in turning her over to the new Republic that, you know, somebody, 
you know, officer knew her. Oh, Commander Tano. Or, and there's or, always the idea too that if if Ahsoka did use the Force to probe her mind, they may have had an exchange of information. Sure, a little more uh, yeah. mind meldy. Mind melting. Yeah. Uh, she wants to know why Lothal, uh, Sabine Wren, and a creepy, slight smile spreads across the face of the false Jedi Padawan's face. A little action. Um, there is an interesting idea here, and I and I don't have a I don't have anything to back it up except my mm. memory of this. But go back one slide, Hank. I can do. Okay, just for a second, because yep. talking about this whole like, how did uh, Ahsoka get the information, and and we've, you know, was it uh you know typical interrogation technique? Was it something else? But I mean, take a look at Morgan's hair. She's a lot grayer than she was the last time we saw her. Yeah, in the episode of The Mandalorian. And there That's isn't right. a whole lot of time transpired between that episode and now. Yeah, maybe a year tops. That's what I'm saying. Maybe yeah. the old stirring of the brain had a, a physiological effect on her. That's a neat thought for sure, because it can do that in real sure. life. Yeah. I had thought they were they grayed her up or whited her up because she wasn't now it's revealed she's a night sister and she wasn't quite night enough before. Oh, maybe. And I just thought it was just a, like a sort of aesthetic choice to to oh, like I let's let's physically night sister her up a little more. <laughs> I think I actually prefer that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, when you're in prison, they don't really give you access to hair dye to keep up. Hair <laughs> well, maybe, that's, maybe that's true. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's true. At dawn, Sabine tosses and turns in bed, surrounded by Ezra's belongings, including the scout trooper helmet she'd painted for him. Uh, his last words ring in her head as she jolts awake. Ezra, this is the first time we actually see Sabine using the Force, as I believe she's passively in her sleep, communicating with it, and it's will that the road back to Ezra is at hand. The, the approach of the roaring ship engines and an, and an incoming proximity alert draw Sabine to the, onto the gantry as a familiar T-6 soars overhead towards the city, mirroring two scenes from Rebels blended. The opening stanza of Rebel Season 1, Episode 1, we have Ezra Bridger standing right exactly where she is, his journey to become a Jedi, just like Sabine, about to begin. The second is in Ahsoka's return in the Rebels epilogue. Yeah, which is exactly that with the T-6 and a pair of X-Wings. X-Wings, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's why it's kind of like two just jammed together. Um, docked right off the platform where the mural is being commemorated is Ahsoka's ship. She's speaking with Ryder Azadi. Huang is present. Sabine approaches. Ryder chastises her. You missed the ceremony. Sabine quips again. Was that yesterday? She tells her that uh, she was missed by ev and everyone was there. Not everyone, she replies coldly. And I think she's talking about a lot with this line. Mm. Um, it's She's not there emotionally. Uh, Kanan can't, isn't there and can never be there again. Maybe that's the same right. way she feels about Ezra. Oh, uh, maybe he's not there for obvious reasons, but I think more prominently, uh, Ahsoka wasn't there, and I think that's like big picture stuff. And I think we're about to see the fact that she resents oh. Ahsoka not being there. That's the, that's the not everybody player. reference we're thinking, yeah. I mean, I think it means a lot to her when she says that. I, I automatically went to, means. I automatically went to Ezra that oh, yeah. not everybody, meaning Ezra wasn't here, right? But and, but, and while she laments that the most, she, there's she, there's this personal lament yeah, that she yeah, has yeah. for Ahsoka here. So, and I uh, think we're about to see that play it. TJC has some thoughts about uh, Morgan Elizabeth. He says, maybe she's mother Talzin in disguise. Like she was part of uh mall for a time in the cartoon. 
I mean, anything's possible. They have access to to the the witch ghosts, if you will, just like the uh, the um, it's horse ghosts. I wonder if she knows Sabine Wren's got experience with the Night Sister ghosts. I like, you know the, like been possessed by them once. <laughs> the Night Sisters seem to have this real familial quality about them, and so you take a character like Marin, for sure, they all know who Mother Talzin is was um do we have a, a an in-canon explanation for what happened to them because by the time we get to cal and Marin, Marin is essentially she thinks she's it um yeah aren't they isn't it as a result of what dooku does in the clone wars i thought so that's that's 100 it yeah they were yeah. The, the planet was raised in the clone wars right so yeah. just like the jedi there are yeah. very few night sisters. And also, maybe. just like the Jedi, and I sort of glanced over it, but her reference of the of the the night sisters temple being a stronghold, yeah, uh, thousands of oh, maybe that's even coming up in Ahsoka's. Actually, never mind, never mind. I know where it is. <laughs> no, uh, she she mentioned it at the at the. Uh... She does mention it's it, but Ahsoka mentions it in detail in the oh, conversation. That's right. that's yeah, you're right. You're happen, right. Yes. Um, Xin Huang. Uh, have a funny reunion moment. She jokes that he's still in one piece and he comes back that he's still 75% real parts. It suggests to me that the Ahsoka master Sabine Padawan Huang guy in the chair dynamic went on for some time. I love that line. Yeah. And still 75% original parts. <laughs> the palpable awkwardness of the situation draws Huang and Ryder to take their leave. The latter telling Sabine, you're going to want to hear what she has to say. The pair stare at each other for a long moment. Ahsoka steps forward, bridging the gap pulling a star map orb from her poncho and holding it aloft. She says plainly, I think I know how to find Ezra. Sabine takes the orb and studies it, her mind racing and the thoughts of finding her last friend, lost friend. Doop, doop, doop. Aboard the T6, Sabine reminds, uh, reminisces uh, beside her old bunk, a mural sketched onto the wall of Loth cats and chop. It's unfinished, just like her training. As Ahsoka approaches Sabine and asks if she really thinks Ezra is still out there, she says that nothing is certain. However, our enemy is actively seeking Thrawn, which is what led me to the map. She tells Sabine that she found the map on a planet named Arcana. That's a little on the nose. <laughs> and uh, uh, a former stronghold of the Witches of Dathmir thousands of years ago. So there's another uh, sort of parallel between the Night Sisters yeah. and the Jedi yeah. existing for thousands of years. This is not like yesterday's tradition, for sure. Yeah, spread out. They didn't just stick to one planet. That's that was the other thing. That was, I think, the more the thing that got me the most. It was like, oh, they had a presence, you In know, beyond Dathomir. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Witches, great. Sabine remarks, just keeps getting more exciting. A round table with uh, and seats emerge from the center of the floor, and Sabine takes a seat, studying the orb with her artist's eye. She thinks there's must be a key to reading the orb. Nobody would make a, a map that you couldn't read. Soka displays a scan of the ruins where the chamber was located. Sabine studies it for a moment, clearly distracted by the situation. Sabine asks where Ahsoka has been staying, and the Jedi tells her that the ship is just fine, and she goes where she's needed. Sabine shoots back. Not always. And that's why I say that last line was about her, too. Yeah. Ahsoka remarks that Sabine never made things easy, but Sabine throws it back at her again. Neither did you, Master. And it's unequivocal now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ahsoka tells her that there's nothing easy about being a Jedi, and Sabine thinks then she would have made a good one, and Ahsoka agrees. Huang appears to cut the tension with an update, which Ahsoka dismisses, but Sabine encourages. Sabine wants a copy of the scan and to take the map somewhere where she can think clearly. 
Ahsoka forbids it, stating that the threat of a new war is too great. And this uh, this is actually might be one of my favorite moments. And I don't know if I've got it written in this slide. It might be in the next slide, but coming up, it's, it's sort of my favorite behind the scenes moment. Uh, Ahsoka accompanies the droid to an adjacent room where uh, he has two lightsaber hilts on hollow display. They quip about a, a bit about the reunion, but Ahsoka wants to get to business. Patience, the droid reminds her. He can only identify one of the sabers, but definitely Jedi design. In fact, only one lightsaber of this particular design has been recorded in the last 500 years. It belonged to Balan Skull, who disappeared at the end of the Clone Wars, like so many other Jedi. The professor thinks that this is a master and apprentice, and they will be formidable adversaries for Ahsoka alone. Perhaps she won't be alone for long, ever hinting at bringing Ahsoka back into the fold. Heading back to the ship uh, center room to tell Sabine the news, she finds the table receded back into the floor, and Sabine nowhere in sight. I was going to so, say, uh, anybody who's played uh, Jedi Survivor, particularly the new one, mm -hmm. um, should recognize pretty much most of the parts on both of those lightsabers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get to play around like that. Or if yeah. you've been to Galaxy's Edge, I hear that's a pretty cool dealio. Sabine races home on her bike. A smirk crosses her face at having gotten over on her former master. And as I'm sure it does, both force ghosts of Obi-Wan and Anakin gut laughing at Ahsoka having to endure a Padawan who won't listen. <laughs> That's my favorite <laughs> moment of the whole episode in my head canon. They're both just yeah. bending over laughing at They're her. Going, ah, 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 look who's not listening now. <laughs> a small silver probe droid hovers above a bridge sign and it returns to its hooded master in a scene so very indicative of Maul and the Phantom Menace. I mean, it is the, the audio yeah, keyboard. It's so good. Wow, it's so wow, good wow, wow, and it's it, it's wow, wow, wow. the wrong side and like it's just mirror. Yeah. it's so good um it is the young false jedi and she's flanked by two hk87 assassins uh, night has fallen and sabine sits in front of the hall still sits in front of the hollow recording turning the map over in her hands back aboard the t6 ahsoka and huang speak with hera via hollow Ahsoka doesn't think coming to Sabine was a good idea, angry that Sabine would disobey her and take the map off the ship. Hera understands that Sabine could be difficult, but that she's the best chance to read the map. Ahsoka knows Hera is right, but wishes she wasn't so bullish and stubborn. Hera ever quick to remind her she is Mandalorian, betting that Ahsoka was no picnic for her own master. Ahsoka gets stoic, saying that she walked away from Anakin and the Jedi before her training was complete, just like she walked away from Sabine. Hera tries to assure her, telling her she must have had reasons, and Ahsoka ponders deeply. Sometimes the right reasons have the wrong consequences. What do we do then? That's that's some heavy stuff, too. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Further into the evening, Sabine paces around the room, leaning against the wall, becoming frustrated, tired. She now studies a hollow of the interior of the chamber where Ahsoka found the map. She contemplates the details of the image aloud. Three figures, three faces, and then something dawns on her. She quickly walks over to the table, picking up the orb and examining the center of the hollow image. At the base of the cavern, removing details with a scanner, she notices a trillium-shaped object on the floor of the temple. And she finds a triangle with an arrow in it, and it lines it up with the orb with that marking. Turning the concentric circles to match the shape on the diagram like a Rubik's cube, the orb begins to glow and emits a small galaxy of blue light floating in her hand. A path... Am I on the wrong...
What happened there? I missed a whole slide. I don't know. That's okay. Just uh, <laughs> stick, with, stick with the other one. It's great. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I missed the whole slide. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> uh, well, you got the payoff right there. She gets I it. You have the payoff. She yeah, gets she it open. A blue light floating in her hand. A path of energy streaks out to a distant galaxy projected a few feet from the original, pointing to a specific world inside that that galaxy. Sabine has unlocked the star map. And now Hank knows why his slides were off by one number. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we've just caught up. Uh, just a thought here. A lot of these images line up with stuff from 2002's Disney animation feature, Treasure Planet. And while I know orbs that turn out to be holographic galactic maps pointing to secret locations is an everyday occurrence, I can only hope that like the animated movie's plot, the protagonist may have to enlist the help of a pirate to get their destination. We have to been Hondo and Naka. Like, <laughs> have we not been like every live action series that has come out in the <laughs> era of the Mandalorian? We've always been Anaka. like, hey, hey, it's your old pal, Hondo. <laughs> so bad. Uh, Jedi. While we're here at this point, I'm just going to point out because you can actually see it in the uh, in the top image with Sabine holding onto it. Mm -hmm. That that trillium shape, that's actually called the Triketra. And right. the Triketra, that's another image that is rife through uh, Celtic and Norse mythology. Yes, let's sir. not let's not forget both Balin and Shin are both references to Norse Norse mythology, as are the Lothwolves mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of the other stuff that Dave likes to throw at us. Yeah, absolutely. So here's yet another one with the uh, the Triketra, mm -hmm. and. Uh probably drawing from the animation being an animated director the if you've never seen treasure plan i'm sure both you guys have but if the crowd out there hasn't it's been a it's, while it's unsung it it gets not the accolades that every other disney movie around it gets that maybe it should it's it's beautiful uh, oh i that's what it is i have the same slide twice so we're still off a number <laughs> That's okay. We'll figure it out. We're, we're halfway it's there anyway. Figured it out. That's right. <laughs> Outside on the gantry of the communications tower, Sabine surveys the night, surveys the night sky with macro binoculars. She leans down to give a scratch to her loth cat, who's come out to see her, but the animal's demeanor changes suddenly and it emits a low growl, just as an HK. Yeah. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but oh. she gets that the, the map open and it shoots the beam off to... Do you get the impression that she was going out to correlate the night sky to what she saw in the map. I kind of thought that Maybe. there's a, there's a line where they, they're not sure what the origin of the signal was, but I think she it can so, sort of knows you know, where she is in the galaxy and I was in a general say, way. Can the same I way that we would look at constellations in our right. own night sky. Right. Right. Maybe she saw some recognizable constellations roughly in this direction yeah 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 that's sort of the impression i got too okay. alternatively it could just be like you know she's been in there for hours and hours and hours yeah. trying to unlock this thing yeah maybe it's just like okay i did it need a break gonna go out and look oh, she, yeah, and sure. she literally leans down and says looks like i'm going on a trip yeah just then an hk droid fires his weapon from behind uh the mandalorian rolls and adroitly dodges the uh, blaster fire no easy feat possibly force assisted <laughs> Uh, engaging in hand-to-hand -hand combat, she spin-kicks the droid, knocking it off balance and down to the deck. Suddenly, a second droid grabs her from behind, hoisting her off the deck. Sabine repeatedly elbows the HK in the side of the head, frantically grasping for its back-mounted blaster. The first stunned droid manages to get to its feet, and while Sabine struggles with the second, it heads inside her room. 
to my estimation, there is nothing that she does in this scene that isn't on par with what we've seen. No, Bo-Katan absolutely. Do. Yeah. Like, she is so good at, at what she does. Oh yeah. And I think you can tell that the well, actress might be a trained fighter. Like, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She, she knows her stuff. She moves like a, like a martial artist. And there we, there's, there's the, the map with the galaxy. So I, I with did that little golden, little golden thread. 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 <laughs> Why is it golden and nothing else is? The droid, finding the map still active, grabs it from its dais, smashes the emitter with its fist, and turns the blaster on the console beside it, which explodes in a shower of sparks. Marching from the room, the assassin droid heads down the catwalk, opposite Sabine and the second HK. Desperately struggling, Sabine managed to get her hand around the handle of the droid's weapon. Firing it, the blast slams into the foot, hobbling it, and it drops Sabine from its clutches. She rolls, drawing the weapon with both hands, and blasts the droid. Quickly giving chase, the first droid now in possession of the star map disappears behind the door of the tower's turbo lift. Running back in her room, Sabine signals Huang, telling her she needs backup. And we cut quickly to Huang interrupting Ahsoka and Hera's conversations, simply simply stating, we have a problem. Yeah, that's true. Anonymous (laughs) Facebook user says uh, she was a bounty hunter at the age of 15. She absolutely was. That that was her pre-Spectre storyline, absolutely. How about she was uh, uh, a part of the imperial military? How, how about she invented the weapon that well, destroyed there is Mandalore? That. <laughs> that is that. Yeah. There is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And possibly the the one that's yeah, Mandalorian, Mandalorian trained. trained. Yes, trained, yeah. yeah. Possibly the rightful wielder of of the the dark saber too, although it's non existent in this time. It's irrelevant now. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Um. So, uh, we cut quickly to Huang and Ahsoka. We have a problem. Sabine pulls a lightsaber hilt from the crate under the table, pausing to take it in. It's definitely Ezra's, but she's modified the emitter to be a little more like Ahsoka's sabers. She bolts out the out the door and down the gantry. At the I bottom full, of the, I got a full breakdown yeah. on that tomorrow night. Uh, for nice. those of you who can who can come back tomorrow uh, for part two, I'm definitely going to break down that lightsaber uh, in detail. Nice, very good. At the bottom of the turbo lift, Sabine races out after the droid. She stops in her tracks. The droid is indeed there, but not alone. Standing beside him, the still unnamed false Padawan. She tells she tells Sabine, we've been looking for this, indicating the star map in her hand. Sabine, ever defiant, tells the Dark Apprentice, that's too bad. Snapping her saber to life by her side, its green blade cutting, uh, cutting through the night. The caped antagonist hands the map to the droid and steps forward, drawing her own saber and igniting it in the same position. Sabine visibly gasps, not expecting that. She left, before, she left before Ahsoka could tell her what they were up against. Sabine enters ready position one, hearkening back to her early training with Kanan and the drills with Ezra while she wielded the dark saber. Sabine's blade at the ready closes the distance between the two opponents. Yeah, we're not using sticks this time. Not sticks. Her opponent is motionless, patient, something Sabine definitely is not. She lunges forward with a two-handed overhead swing and is met with a solid double-handed block that does not move a millimeter. Sabine presses but must weather a series of very heavy attacks from the false Padawan, her fury expressed in her prowess. No slouch or stranger to a tough fight, the Mandalorian Jedi incumbent redoubles her effort, striking hard and often, each swing met with a heavier block. Switching between single-handed flourishing movements and heavy two-handed attacks, this new baddie is a sight to behold. Sabine is able to hold her own, is able to hold back her blows, but her saber is pressed back close to her face, 
showcasing her opponent's strength. She's really good in this. And by she, I mean Shin. Shin, yeah. yeah she's, uh, she looks yeah. really good. Like that, She does that. There's that one superhero pose that she does there I got a shot of. With the, uh, the audio. The, the, with the, 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 yeah. the hand drawn like a like a Batman, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, yeah. Love it. I mean, for uh, Hollywood foo, she's pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, as uh, as Ahsoka and Yuang race the short distance to the communications tower, the lightsaber lightsaber duel rages along. Using her cloak, the false Padawan is able to keep Sabine off her game, swinging wildly, growing tired from the heavy attacks. Sabine's sword arm is grasped in a spinning maneuver, almost like it's a dance, propelling her back, and she stumbles to the floor for the first time. Cutting back to the ship over the highway, with the tension builds as they are almost there. Ahsoka can see them. Back on her feet, exhausted, Sabine is knocked down several more times, pressed by the sheer aggression of the opponent's attacks. Now blocking more than attacking, Sabine is fully on the defensive, locking sabers, attempting to gain any advantage. She is faltering. Easily stepping aside Sabine's cumbersome attacks, the young adversary performs a graceful pirouette so diametrically opposed to much of her fighting style. It comes quick and straight below Sabine's slow overhead attempt. The blood orange blade enters Sabine Wren's right abdomen and exits her back. Drawing her sword up at a slight angle, the villain removes it as swiftly as she stabbed. Sabine falls to one knee, never dropping her blade, valiantly swinging at her opponent, wildly, wildly missing. You got to admire, you know, her determination and stamina in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah, it's, it's serious. Observing her with intensity and maybe curiosity like a wounded animal being watched by its prey, the roar of the T-16 fills the night as its lights swoop into view. Turning to look, eyes blazing with intensity, the false Jedi Padawan races off into the night with a final fiery gaze at Sabine that screams, next time. Ahsoka runs toward her apprentice, her image obscured by the landing, the, the glaring landing lights. Sabine, still upright, on one knee, lightsaber held, still aloft, breathes heavy, still ready for a fight. But it's been too much. Grasping her side as her master approaches, Sabine falls to the ground, grunting, laboring for breath. She never passes out. Cut to black. Oh, <laughs> that, I, I, I forgot to... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Do we think... That... that, that, that um... That uh, scene in Platoon with uh, Willem Dafoe, where he's just being, oh yeah, yeah, never, he never falls until the very moment, you know, the very, very, somehow superhumanly on his feet still, yeah, sort of the vibe, yeah, 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 from her there. Uh, Directed by Dave Filoni, (laughs) could you tell? (laughs) Written by Dave Filoni, and this is my favorite bit. Created. Created. By, by Dave, Dave Filoni, Filoni, based on a story by George Lucas, but now created by oh, Dave yeah, Filoni. Absolutely. That makes me so happy. Um, and while I was doing that slide, I kind of noticed some things in the background there. Well, some, there's some, a lot oh, going on. Wordies, little wordies in the language that I, you know. This is a new runic language that we've not seen before. So it's uh, got some it's got some legs, okay, in uh in the Sith runic language, which is Urkitat. Yeah. Which is also called the Macquarie runes because he just sort of made up a bunch of gibberish and put sure. in his concept drawings. It's also called the old tongue. It's been adopted at Galaxy's Edge. Cool. And so, and that's what I thought we were dealing with because some of the things line up. Um, and I was I wanted to dive on this, but I, I was rapidly running out of time. And when Dude. I woke up this morning, I saw that you had sent me the actual I did, yeah. yeah. 
Um, props, hats off to uh, Eric Voss over yeah. at New Rockstars. Absolutely. I know that I harp on their channel a lot because <laughs> they get a lot wrong. But like when it comes to uh, cryptography, uh, they were so on point with this. They actually translated the entirety of the end credits. And we know the names of every planet that yeah. the Golden Threads pass through, including Paradia. Yeah, in the end, it's apparently been cracked, and the names of the planets include Arcana, Coruscant, Corellia, Dathomir, Mandalore, Perdia, and Setos. Yeah. And then uh, because they hit me in the fields, I'm going to hit everybody else in the fields. Oh, man. Yeah. There was no way that they were not going to dedicate at least the first episode no, to Ray. Absolutely. And I mean... If I don't know about your social media feeds, but mine, uh, a lot of them has been inundated with uh, like, mm. like not they're not cast photos, but they're yeah, like the scenes, photos like, taken yeah. on. There's one specifically by... of all the villains together that's just really touching. Sure. Yeah. There's one with Ray, uh, Ray and uh, Ivana and Rosario. Yes, uh, just kind of looks like they're hanging out, kind of clowning around. They're all in costume, but they're just like it's neither none of them are on set at the moment, mm -hmm. so it's just a a nice sort of like, Hey, let's just take a picture. Yeah. So I thought, I thought at the end, if it's not too anticlimactic, we'll play yeah. a game and we don't have to play it every episode. Cause it's, Oh kind of no, 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 no. Come on, man. We I love games on, might, on our show. Be able to play it. I might be able to swing it every episode. Cause it's only a few slides every time, but it's a game. And I don't know if you've ever heard the reference, but it's, it's a stand-up comedian once said it. And he said, attention, Bruce Willis squinting is not an emotion. <laughs> <laughs> and in light of that i give to you the crossed arms of ahsoka tano <laughs> it started as an unfounded criticism on social media based upon the amount of time ahsoka crossed her arms in the trailers which was put to rest when a compilation of doing her that sporadically throughout the clone wars and rebels was offered to counter well now i've got a whole episode and i want to play a little game <laughs> one yep two two Three. Oh my. Four. <laughs> five. Six. Yep. She actually uncrosses her arms and recrosses and recrosses them, them in the same scene. Seven. <laughs> Eight. Nine. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> Eleven. And twelve times Ahsoka in, Tano in crosses one, her arms in that episode. For the odd minute episode. I didn't notice it. Until Lauren pointed out, and then I couldn't unsee it. And Lauren wants me to cut a YouTube video, a video together for and post it on the channel um, or the chat. Um, with the the uh, Sesame Street song: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 12. And honorably mentioning <laughs> both Sabine and Hera. Get a token arm crossing, <laughs> guys. That's me. Oh my really, god! Really like that. <laughs> well, Hank, I tip my hat to you. That was uh, an awesome uh, recollection of episode one, Master and Apprentice. Did you guys out there? Uh, did you guys get anything that we missed? Uh, certainly, let us know. Hit us up in the comments on whatever uh, platform you're watching from, or shoot us an email over at fandompower3 at gmail.com and tell us uh, your thoughts about our show and about what you think of uh, ahsoka uh tomorrow night we'll be back it's going to be uh the ahsoka fano show part two where i will be taking us through uh part two toil and trouble 
we did think about uh, doing a, a double long episode, but it was just <laughs> the, it the been a four hour job. Yeah. Uh, the preparation on that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're running what an hour, about an hour and 40 minutes right now. So yeah. that's pretty average for uh, a 40 minute uh, live action episode for us around there. Uh, I suspect we might go a little longer tomorrow night. I tend to be a little more wordy sometimes. <laughs> and uh, I got lots of stuff that I want to talk about uh, that's going to come up tomorrow night. I hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight. Uh, do you guys have anything that you guys want to well, end I, on before? I, I had a thought. Yeah, let's hit um, it. We never see Purgles through the original trilogy. No. And is it possible that all the Purgles jumped at the end of Rebels? Oh, well, uh, no, it's not. No, no, it's okay. not. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why it's morning. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because like the, the next time we see them, right. Are in, in silhouette in the Mandalorian. Right. Yeah. In hyperspace. Oh, yeah. That's right. In hyperspace. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was just wondering maybe like they jumped. I think it should and... be noted. It's, it's sort of, cause I was watching the epilogue as I was doing this. Cause I was building a few things that kind of rhymed with it. And I did notice one thing that I never really harped on before was that, that after the purgle jumps, uh, with Thrawn and Ezra on the bridge right. of the Chim- Chimera, there's a, a report to Ryder Azadi from from Rebel Fleet Command that says all of the Imperial ships are gone. Yeah, space around Lothal is empty. So they so, told yeah, 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 yeah. I when I we, wonder what we talk about the Chimera fleet from from the the uh, Heir to the Empire novels returning. Like that's a thing yeah. now that I never really focused on before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Well, we, we, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but tomorrow we're going to see, uh, we talk about scope and scale of things. We're going to see, uh, the, the big villain ship and there's a scope and scale there that, that is suggestive that maybe the, the, uh, however, the purgles are traveling through a uh, hyperspace. Maybe they don't have to have physical. I know they had physical contact with Thrawn ship, but maybe it's a little more like a star Trekky thing where they create the field around them and it's bigger yeah. than just them. Um, and we'll talk about that tomorrow night. And that's kind of, and I will, and if you didn't cover it, and I'm sure you probably did, that's kind of why I'm leading, leaning towards the Ricotta because yep. they tamed the race. Like they tamed the entire galaxy right. uh, in an evil, evil way, but they tamed the race that tamed the Purgles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, guys, part one, Master and Apprentice, if you had to score it out of 10, where does it land for everybody? I'm 11 out of 10 for me. 11 out of 10. That's very high praise, man. Yeah. At least a 10 out of 10. Full 10 for you. Full 10. I give it a nine. Oh, oh, we got another Facebook user. 11. That's two 11s, a 10 and a nine from me. That's pretty good score. It's a 10 average. That might be the highest score out the gate we've had of any of the shows that we've covered so far. And at the same Mm -hmm. time, like, I don't feel like they had to give us a second episode right away, but it was nice. They did. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think that the outcry of "Did you just kill Ahsoka in the or uh, Sabine in the first episode?" might yeah. have gone over hard, and I think that may be why. If you well, didn't, it did go. Because you would get the hard in Masters of the Universe. You would get oh, those complaints. Yeah, so. a lot of backlash there. Like you right. just you you set up that tension just to remove it. So rather than than and just keep it seamless. Like it was never meant to create that kind of a cliffhanger. There's the we don't want to lose our audience before we get the story off the ground. Yeah. So let's just give the two parter right away and just alleviate anybody's fears that oh it's okay things are going to move forward. Mm-hmm. This should make it make us wait two weeks for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that yet. No, no. 
It's like two days away. It's crazy. Tuesdays, Tuesday nights where we Mm. can actually, guys, I asked in our last episode, uh, nobody deemed it appropriate or necessary to answer. Maybe we can look forward to say the finale. Would anybody be interested in doing a live watch party with us? And we can do this in real time. Maybe. Let us know in the comments. Send us an email. It's fandompower3 at gmail.com. Let us know if you would be interested in a live watch party with the three of us for the Ahsoka finale. All right. That's it for me, guys. I think we're going to have a great time tomorrow night. I think the show is in great hands. Off to a wonderful start. Absolutely Mm -hmm. it is. And uh, please come back tomorrow night when we talk about Toil and Trouble. But until then, for Fandom Power, my name is Wes. I'm Andy. And I'm Hank. And I think we can say it again. May the force be with you. May the force be with us all. Bye for now, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms.